0: And for many others, Christmas is the only day that that you'd probably go to church in in many ways. But this is a story that you've heard uh, over and over again. But it is the best story in the whole world. And um, it is the best story. And I I was listening to something yesterday, and and the guy said these words. I, I didn't quote him, which I realized was probably wrong last night. But he said, always still amazed at the gospel, or in wonder of the gospel, moved by the gospel, or has it become a story that we're just like, "Yo, we know that one. Give us another one." And uh, and so, I, my prayer today was that, as I share that, for those of us who have heard it a thousand times, that today we will be like, okay, in awe, and not because I preach a good preach, but because of the story of the gospel, okay. And for those of you who hear it for the first time, that you'll be like, in awe, okay, of God, because it is that kind of story. That, that does that to your hearts. And so I want to start from a different angle today. In the very beginning, in Genesis 1 1. And I'm going to read this. And um, this is the start of the Bible. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. And uh, darkness was over the surface of the earth. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the, uh, over the waters. And then this verse it says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. But one of the first things we see about God is he's a God that is speaking. Okay? Third verse, and God said, boom. And there was light. It said let there be light and there was light. Okay? And um, and it goes on for many of us we know the story of the creation but it continues and it says and God said, let there be Animals, boom, and there was animals. Okay, And God said, and God said. And we go throughout the whole Old Testament, story after story, we see that the key characteristic of God is that He's a speaking God. Okay, He always spoke to His people. There He they just spoke and stuff happened. Other times He was speaking through prophets or through dreams or even sometimes when the people don't want to listen, He spoke to the, through the enemy. Okay, There was even a time where God spoke through a donkey. All right, And uh, a, key, a key aspect of God is that he's a speaking God. But then um, there came a time, so we get to the Old Testament. And uh, my Bible might fall apart, so I'm gonna. But I'm gonna try and show. Okay, but we get to a book called Malachi, which is the last book in the Old Testament. And um, by this time, if I can try and summarise, like the people of God have hardened their hearts; they they chose sin over and over again. And God, like, gives gives them this book, and it's like quite a firm book to try and bring them back on track. And so we read, we, read, we read Malachi, and probably one of the most famous verses we know in Malachi is at the end where, G, where God says, And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of their children to their fathers. And then, we, we see this in my, in my Bible, we see New Testament, and I turn a page, and uh, there begins Matthew. All right, But in this turning of the page, there was 400 years of silence. 400 years of God not speaking, which is so anti-God. Yeah? And uh, he gave them the last Malachi, and then just for 400 years, nothing. Now, uh, picture 400 years. It is at least five generations, okay? if not more. Yeah? Five generations or more that would have come through that time that never heard God speak. All that they had was this, which they hung on to. Okay? And... Um, and, and in that time, I, I was actually speaking to French and them about it on, uh, in the week, and we, we just said, like, in that time, is where you see the Pharisees starting, and synagogues, and the religious people, and people clung to religion, and, and they actually, like, to a degree, I think they did really well to hang on to their faith with what they had, okay? I was asking myself the question, I wonder what would happen to us as a church if for 400 years God doesn't speak to us. Where would we be, you know? And um, thank goodness he's not doing that anymore, Okay. But then, in Matthew, boom, God speaks again, okay? And it's the loudest he's ever spoken before. And uh, he's speaking to his people, and uh, from there, he never had to be silent again. And um, I want to read this in Hebrews 1, from verse 1. Um, it's just God speaking, and it's uh, just about what happened. But He says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets, and at many times and in various ways, okay? So that's the donkey, and the, um, the enemy and the dreams and the whatever. But he says, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir over all things, and through whom he also made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. How cool is that? He sends Jesus, he's the radiance of God's glory and exactly God. Exact representation. If you wanted to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Sustaining all things by His powerful Word. Okay? Speaking. Word. And after He provided purifications for sin, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Um, So He became as much superior to the angels as the name He has inherited. He's superior to theirs. God decided that He's going to send Jesus in the flesh to us so that he never has to be silent, never has to come through many ways um, and uh, speak to us in different ways to try and lead us. But he said, now I'm speaking to you in a way that you'll for, forever remember that I never have to be silent again. And he sends Jesus. And uh, today is really what it's about, you know, is that we get together, we like thank goodness, thank God for Jesus that he sent him, that we can know what God is like. Otherwise we would have lost our way over and over and over again. And, um, so, I, my, my desire for today is that as we're together, that we will really not just remember a baby that was born for us many years ago, but that we'll remember the king, okay? And um, I, was, I saw this funny thing in the week where they said, you know, there was a baby born and some little guy decided that what this lady needs is a drum solo, speaking about a uh, little drummer boy, okay, pa rum pam. pam and... Uh, Not many know that, okay, but like, it's probably the weirdest Christmas song ever written, okay? Like, a little little baby was born, what shall I do? I'll play my drum for him. Now, I tell you, we had a baby born this year. It's probably the last thing I wanted when when she was born is for someone to come and play a drum solo for us. But uh, what what I want us to remember is not that, but I want us to remember that there was a king that was born for us. And we're going to pick up in this story in Matthew 2. So if you have your Bibles with us, you can turn with me or it's going to be on the screen there. What are we going to read about today? The story of Jesus. So, Matthew 2 verse 1, it starts like this. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. And, uh, I really hope that is why we're here together today, you know, is that we've come to worship him. Um we're not here that I can give you a cool talk and we can go home and you can say we've been in church for today. But it's like we came to worship him, came to pay tribute to him today. And um, when King Herod heard about this, he was disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him. Why? Because he heard there's another king born, but he's king. And um, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd shepherd my people. Then Herod called the Magi. I just want to check if that's like... um, Now, it says Magi there, but in some of your Bibles and other translations it says, Then then Herod called the wise men. That's where it came from, okay? The the wise men. He, He called together. Um, then Herod called the wise men secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. And uh, we know today that that's not what Herod wanted to do. Okay. He wanted to go there to kill him because he was under threat. And, um, after they heard the king, they went on their way and the star that they had seen went and rose. And and went ahead of them, until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasures, and they presented with him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Frankincense is incense, by the way. I've always been confused by that one. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to the country by another route. Now... Interesting, speaking about the wise men, there were so many different versions that we heard over the years. Who of you grew up learning that there were three wise men, okay? Uh, uh, Funny enough, it doesn't say it anywhere in the Bible, okay? We see three gifts, but you didn't see three wise men. It could have been five, it could have been 20, by the way, uh, which is an interesting one. It's like we like to add our own stories here. Lisa got a Kinder Bible last night, and guess how many wise men were in there? (laughs) Okay, and uh, um, the first thing I went to check when I saw the Bible, and, um, but they do teach us something, okay, these wise men, is, you know what's interesting is where they came from actually, something we do know, is they didn't come out of Israel, okay, they came out of um, Persia, and um, and so most likely if you go and dot it down, these wise men actually came out of Iraq, okay, which is so contrary, what we would have imagined where they would come from. And, um Wise men came and they brought him gifts, and and immediately the first thing that we see is that Jesus, the king that was born, wasn't only the king of the Jews, but he was a a global king. He was, guys came from another country, wise guys, and came, walked a long Okay, they didn't have a car, and they came and they paid tribute to a king. And um and it's cool when we read about Matthew's version. Now there's four gospels and I don't know who of you've thought about this before, but why did we have four different versions of the same story? All right. But each guy had a different take on how he reported the story of Jesus. And I don't know who if you are watching the chosen at the moment. Okay. Great cho- Chosen. If you haven't watched it, it's a great, great series. So go, I can advise it. But we're looking at Matthew and the Chosen, I think they're doing so well to describe this guy. And uh, Matthew's whole aim, if you read Matthew, is he's focusing. He's trying to explain to the people that Jesus is king. He wasn't just another guy. He's the king that was born for us. And we see it in, his, in Matthew 1. You can see that there's a genealogy that he writes. And he says to them, Throughout time, this is the genealogy. And there was David, then there was Abram, and there was all these guys, and then Jesus. And what he was doing is he's showing to the people Jesus was king. He wasn't just another king, he was the king. And um, then, so as the king was born, I think there was a lot of confusion that happened, you know. I think there was confusion in heaven. Like, I I think the angels were confused. Why would God send his son to the earth? Um, I don't think they saw that coming. And another God that I don't saw, think saw it coming was the devil. Okay? And I don't think he anticipated Jesus, God, to enter earth in the human flesh, fully human. He okay? didn't float around. And, um, and I don't think he saw it coming, especially after 400 years of silence. But when he came, there was a war on for his life. And Herod tried to kill him. And, and actually, we, we see that then Herod, because the, the wise men didn't come back, he tried to figure out, okay, how old could this baby be, max two years. And he gave a decree that all the babies under the age of two should be killed. Now, can you imagine the the trauma in a, in a country when all the baby boys under the age of two killed looking for Jesus? But again, God is one step ahead, and he warns Mary and Joseph, and they go to Egypt uh, where they have to get him signed up. And, uh, um, and they head there and they actually spend a few years in Egypt. And, and God saves him again. And I, um, you know, it's like um, this oppression, you know, as we see from light and darkness, the fight that was immediately on. And I was—I um, heard about a story once where there was like a debate at a university where it was students and uh, this guy that was answering questions. And just about like, the, the king. And this guy asked, and it was a very good question. He said, how is it possible that one man suffering on a cross for a few hours could somehow mediate all the evil and all the darkness and all the sinfulness for all the billions on earth or billions of people living on the earth? How is it possible? It's a good question. Eh? Like, how is it possible for one guy to do that? And then the, the guy who was hosting the thing responded, and he just asked me this question. He said, I want to ask you one question. Who was the man? And, um, and I think if you and I decided to die on a cross for a few hours, it would have zero impact. Okay? But because of the man, that was God himself, that, that Jesus was, that God, they didn't want him to, like, God knew he was going to be killed. And so, when Herod was trying to kill him in the beginning, God was basically saying, Not yet. And, um, and he says, This man had to give up his own life and, um, and choose to say that on the day, Father, not my will, but your will be done. But the man, because of who he was, because he was king, that's what made the difference. And that's why we can be here today. And uh, now, I mean, we've had a lot of baby showers this year, all right? There's, a, there's been a lot of babies that born. But I bet none of us went to a baby shower this year where we brought in gold and incense and myrrh. All right? We give uh, hoodies and socks and dummies, all right? And uh, none of you went to a baby shower and bowed down before the baby and worshipped him. It's something different, all right? And um, it's interesting, even in, Mike shared this last week, but he said that even the gift symbolized something about that this was a king, okay? The myrrh symbolized that he's going to be killed one day. Myrrh symbolized that they're going to have to bury him. And even in the beginning when he was born, there was symbolism of this, okay? The incense was about worship, that he's worthy of worship. And the gold symbolized that this is a king. It's a royal baby. And um, we don't do that when we go to um, baby showers, all right? And um, then in Matthew 2, continuing just about the wise men, it says that after they heard the king, um, I think I'm in verse nine again. Yes. After they heard the king, they went on their way and, um, the star that they had seen went rose ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. And, um, I have such a desire today, you know, that us, when we hear the, when we hear the story of Jesus, that our, um, that our wonder would turn into worship. You know these guys that came from the East, if we go back in the Old Testament, we see that um, there was a time where, where the Persians took many of the, the the best men out of Israel, the wisest, the strongest, and actually took them to Babylon. So we see Daniel and his friends, they were some of those guys who were moved to Babylon, and they were the wisest, the cleverest and, um, and I think maybe throughout history. It was throughout that long time, these wise men must have kept reminding one another, remember that one day there will be a king born for us. These are the signs. And so when these guys, years later, started seeing the signs, hey, the king is born, they went and they looked for him to worship him. And uh, can you imagine these, uh, how many ever guys there were, okay? When they rocked up there, they didn't just go, wow, it was true, how cool is that? They actually came and they bowed down and they worshiped. And I have such a desire today, you know, that for us we can go from that place that wow, how cool is this? That we actually come and we bow down, and that He becomes King of our lives, and that we worship Him too. And um, is that making making sense? And so I want to finish with this. You know, there's a lot of Jesus in the Bible and things that they say about who He is, what He has done. But one of my favorite portions, speaking about Jesus in Philippians, um, that I want to read this to us and this is probably one of, for me one of the things I'll hold dearest remembering Jesus today this is Paul writing and he says who and speaking about Jesus being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage the ESV says he didn't consider it something to be grasped even though he knew he was God he could have, you know I'm thinking about at the cross where the guys were tuning him. he says well, why don't you save yourself he could he could in a moment just do that and everyone would have been destroyed. All right? But he never grasped for equality with God. Yet, rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You know, this man who, who was equal with God, Decided that he's not going to try and grasp for it or save himself. We spoke about it a few, a few weeks ago. It's like, rather he prayed, Father, not my will, but your will. And what should I pray? Save me from this hour? No. But for this very reason I came, Father, let your will be done. And it, then he it says this, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. You know, one day, when he's coming back, he's not coming back as a baby, he's coming back as the victorious King. Okay? And the Bible says on that day, every knee will bow, whether you want to or not, will bow at the sight of the King. But we can also bow today. We can also choose today to, to bow before the king. And we can also choose to acknowledge today and confess that Jesus is Lord. And, um, and uh, you know, the king that was born 2,000 years for us, my prayer is that he will become your king today. Um, that he, we, we see that he is the king. And uh, Matthew wrote, and we see if you go through the, through the book, that he was the king. But he also wants to become your king. And... Um, we're also in a fight, you know. There's, still today there's a fight. There's still, it's not King Herod, but there's King you and King me. And, uh, and there's, there's other forces at work, okay, other kings. And there's King Jesus. And, uh, and we can choose before whom we will bow today. Um, and, and one thing that I just as I was preparing, that, a line that stuck with me, is that wise men and wise women still seek Jesus today. Wise men still seek to worship Him today. And um, I was so thankful that God didn't just use the shepherds or some fishermen, okay? But there was wise men, guys who knew what was cooking, okay? And they came and they chose to bow down and worship Him. And um, it's like God is looking for wise men and women today who will still seek Him to worship Him and bow down before Him today because He's King. Um, And um, I want to... I want to really pray that today that He will be King over your life, and that you will not wait till the last day to say, "Oh, it was true," and then have to bow down. But that somewhere we can choose today to bow our knee before the Father and say, "You are King. You are King." That's a story we're remembering today. It's not one in a just a, a, a way in a major and some shepherds who knew about it, but it was the King that came for us. And um, I want to pray for us today as we as we finish. And um, why don't we close our eyes. And um, God, I'm just so thankful that, um, that you sent your son. And um, it was so, I think it was such a surprise to many. But it's because you wanted to speak louder than ever before. And make it known to the earth that there is salvation available for you. That Jesus came and he paid the highest price. Because we are sinners and someone had to die. And uh, we couldn't do it. We couldn't pay for our own sins. And you would send your son, the king, who would ultimately die and and um, even death on a cross. Choose to give himself up. And um, therefore, he deserves the highest name that there is. And we want to give you the highest praise and the highest honor today, God. And the best gift we can bring you is our lives. It's really to say, this is what we have. We can't bring you gold or incense or myrrh today, but we can give you our lives and acknowledge that you are king. And we want you to be, we want you to be my king. And uh, God, on this Christmas day, I want to ask that um, you know, that it is a time of family and celebration, but it's also a real uh, life-changing time for many of us. And I want to pray, just even while our eyes are closed, there was a day where I had to make Jesus king over my life. I grew up in the church knew the story of Jesus, um, knew all the stuff in the Bible, but I never knew him. And in, when I was 15 years old, I had an encounter with Jesus where I realized he is the king, but I want him to be my king. And I responded to the gospel and said, I want to have a part of what Jesus done so that he can be king over my life. And I responded, and ever since then, I've, ever since then I've walked with God, and I knew him. He's my king, and he wants to be your king today. And I want to ask, while every eye is closed, if you've never made Him king over your life, if you've never bowed before Him, if you've never acknowledged that Jesus is Lord, but you today want to say, I want to have a part of the, the Son who came for us, who was born, who we're remembering today, ultimately living this life, and one that dying for our sins. But I want to have a part in that. I want Him to be king over my life. I want to ask, don't you just quickly want to raise your hand as well, and I would love to pray with you and celebrate with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Is there anyone else who want to say, I want to know him today and I want him to be my king? That's great, man. Okay. Thank you, God.